This is Facility Rockstars, the podcast that celebrates the unsung heroes of our daily lives, facility professionals. I'm your host, Jay Culbert. Join me as we honor these great leaders, sharing stories, insights, and expertise that empower us all to learn and grow together. Facility Rockstars is sponsored by Kalutus, operating the way you operate in order to make your life easier. Welcome to Facility Rockstars podcast. I'm Jay Culbert, and I'm super excited to introduce today's guest. He plays a crucial role in keeping aircraft aloft and people safe. He, he and his company have established themselves as a world leader in aerospace non-destructive testing. He's the CEO of Hanson Aerospace and Engineering. He's the managing director of Niche Industrials at Fenner Group Holdings. And in addition to that, he has a little bit of free time to do some striper fishing on the North Shore of Massachusetts. Please welcome Eric DiOrio to the show. Thanks, Jay. Good to be here. Great to see you. Great to talk with you today. You as well, Eric. Thank you so much for taking the time out to, to share your, uh, your experiences with us. Not a problem. So given your vast experience, multiple positions, and you know, that's everything you've been through, the biggest question that comes to my mind is, you know, what has been your biggest lesson learned as a business leader? Biggest lesson learned as a business leader. Um, in the industry that I'm currently in, I would definitely say it's um, safety and preventative maintenance. Um, especially, you know, coming from a financial background um, where not much can hurt you besides a keyboard falling off your desk um, into an industrial setting, you realize that, you know, a quick mistake can, can ruin your day, can ruin somebody's life. Um, and machine failure can, can really hurt a company's productivity and profitability. So, um, first and foremost, making sure your guys are safe. They come to work, machinery, machinery they use is up to speed, up to snuff, um, in line with, you know, OSHA regulations and whatnot. And, um, nobody's going to get hurt. Uh, and with the machinery, making sure your machinery is on a routine schedule um, so that performs well and you don't get caught with expensive uh, and costly shutdowns. And when you say... So I guess that's two things, but uh, those, are, those are important. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, and I've had the, the privilege of being in your facility multiple times and I, I couldn't even guess to think of the number of moving parts, machinery, uh, loose items that have to be tracked and monitored on a daily basis. Are there... I think you might have just shared part of the, part of what this might be, but what what would you say the best practices are that you and your team have put in place to really stay ahead of this? Well, your best practice is your manpower, um, getting people aligned with what needs to happen to, to a keep them safe and keep the machinery operational. Um, so it's 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 teaching, especially new guys on the floor. Um, you know what we do here to make sure that our operation runs. And we run almost 24-7 here mm. at Hanson. And a lot of holidays will actually run as well. Um, my guys love to put in their hours. So that being said, it's, it takes a big toll on the equipment. Um, so we want guys to, to know what they can and can't do with the machines, how to keep them up to date, and also to alert um, management if there is any type of an issue, especially safety, right up front so we can address it, um, how it's... Uh, how it needs to be handled. 
Fantastic. Do you, um, other, you know, quarterly sessions to refresh this? I mean, we look at this in our business as well, you know, toolbox talks, if you will, or anything else in the mornings or any kind of cadence around that. We do. Well, I mean, we've been lucky to have a, a staff here that is, is a long-term group for the most part. We lost a few people during COVID and we had to you know bring in some new guys. So it's more um, that we, if there's any changes, we'll, we'll make sure that people are up to date. Um, we have so much, so many machines and, and so many technicians coming in here to service them all the time. That's really the best learning is when the guys are on the floor from the manufacturer, the machinery. And that's when you pull people in and say, Hey, you can do this. You can do that. You know, they figured out a better way to, to grease this rail here or something like that. So, and also the way that we operate, because we are multiple shifts, we will have guys, um, you know, handing off that information to the, maybe the night shift or the day shift or, um, so the guys kind of work in tandem with each other to make sure that everything in their area, their workspace is, is taken care of. And it's, it's, you know, up to, up to speed. Makes sense. Yeah. You, I, if I, if I could digress slightly, there's a machine in your shop that, um, I don't know how old you told me it was, but you have so much up to date, you know, brand new machinery, of course. And there was one, it was a really tall machine, Herc. It was in the back right-hand corner of the old warehouse. I know the one. You know, it's, I know yes. it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful looking machine. It's called a jig borer. It's for drilling holes. Um, <clears throat> that machine is... There's a plate on it. I believe it's 1906. It was manufactured. Now we were, we were incorporated. My great grandfather came over from Denmark in 19 and incorporated here in 1909. Um, we were in Lynn at the time. We're in Danvers now. Um, and yeah, so he must have picked that one up used, three years used. But it's a beautiful machine. Um, it's it's really a museum piece, to be honest with you. Is it still operational? It, it could be, yes. Could, yeah. it, it could be. We don't use it. Um, I'd love to use it, but um, the tools that have come out now are just, you know, unbelievable. Sure. So. Oh, of course. It, there's some you just touched on. Um, you said you really run 24-7. Your guys like to put in their hours and whatnot. And one of the things, you know, you and I have talked about throughout the years is communication and you know, you're between, you know, um, the Fenner Group and, and Hanson, you're communicating internationally over time zones, over shifts. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, like, how do you handle that? How do you and your team actually um, handle that level of communication across all those spectrum spectrums? Right. So when Fenner came on board um, back in, say, 2018, as we started to build this portfolio, um, my role with Fena became more and more obvious that it was going to grow. It has grown, and I was proactive in bringing in um, and elevating some of my managing staff um, <clears throat> to be able to handle things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis or did on a day-to-day -day basis that don't necessarily have to do. Um, so for me, my goal was to, to be able to have the company run no matter where I am in the world. Um, give you an example. I just had lunch with, you know, my <clears throat> number two guy here, Mark Cornell. Um, I'll be traveling the end of 
March in, I'll be in Texas and then in Singapore and then in Portugal, basically three out of four weeks gone. Um, and I'm very comfortable that this, this company will, you know, produce uh, at a level that uh, is, is where we expect it to be. So it's, it's empowering your management team mm. to do things. I don't like senior managers that want to hold everything tight to the chest and think that, you know, they need to be the one making all the decisions. I like to, you know, the, the decisions I make are, are long-term, you know, big money decisions, but, you know, pretty much everything else, uh, I empower my guys. I'm sure Mark and the team appreciate that too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. You know, sometimes I'll get in a meeting, I'll start talking and look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, so that's a good feeling. Actually, Why are you talking? What are you talking about? But, yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah. We covered that. We covered that already. It's already done. <laughs> that's gotta be a good feeling for you. Very good feeling. It's very, very much. Um, you, you just reminded me of something we've previously talked about too, in terms of communication. And this is more, I believe, I don't know if you want to touch on the the aspect of, uh, you know, acquisitions of new businesses and whatnot. I think the the term you used was you take a, a light touch approach or you're a light touch yep. environment. Is that accurate? Yeah. So the Fenner Group, um, we started just a little bit of history behind that. So back in probably 2014, 15, a lot of the larger European companies that are in our space um, wanted to tap into um, North American, you know, companies. It was there was opportunity there. There, the, the airline market, the jet engine market was growing. The testing market was growing at a at a great pace. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the knocks on the door came kind of in rapid fashion. And I was surprised. I thought it would happen earlier, but um, so what, from our competitor base was I won't say mom and pop but it was small companies um, built by technical guys who were hands-on originally mm -hmm. um, and then grew from there. And so when they started signing deals with, you know, larger companies, you, you look in the mirror and say, well, wait a minute, these guys are going to have a big pool of money to put their hand in now and buy new equipment and expand. So makes you think like maybe it's time for us to, to make a move if it makes sense. Um, so we got involved with a, you know, a couple of different people and ended up, you know, selling the company. Um, and with that, we decided to actually retain ownership partially and build a portfolio out of that. But the model that we use is to buy good companies with, strong ownership and management that still want to be involved in their company. So mm. if you can imagine taking the risk out of the company by obviously taking some money out of it, but with that, maintaining a percentage of ownership, having much more um, opportunity and resources to grow that at an accelerated rate. So essentially, if you do it right and they, the management team is motivated enough, in the end, you'll end up making a more valuable investment for yourself than if you held it and protect you from competition. So it's worked well. We don't integrate every company like a lot of these um, larger portfolios do. For instance, 
We don't, you know, force them to use a certain software or a certain insurance company or do it our way, this, that, and the other thing. The company's great. You've done a good job. Keep it, keep it great. Make it great. Um, and that's, you know, we've had very little. I think we have over 50, 53 or 54 companies now in the portfolio. Wow. And I think we maybe one or two of the CEOs or what they call managing directors over in the um, in Europe and, and abroad, maybe one or two have left, but basically that, that's that's for planned retirement. Um, that's impressive retention right there. Any fallout, really. So we've been really lucky. Um, but the crazy part was we started the portfolio and took on debt and risk right before COVID. Mm. Um, so it was, you know, a lot of sleepless nights there, but the portfolio is positioned in a, in a testing inspection certification field where most of our companies, actually all of our companies provide a service that needs to happen. Ours being inspecting jet engine components. So you can't fly a jet engine if it wasn't inspected. You can't build a building unless your windows and your structures inspected. You can't put up a crane without that being inspected. Um, everything from checking a title on a um, mortgage application mm. to basically what we do with jet engines. But um, we've got uh, our hands in a lot of things, uh, wrapping the globe, basically. It's amazing. I yeah. There's one parallel I, I'm, I'm drawing. I want to see if it's uh, it's accurate, Eric, but it sounds like your leadership style at Hanson of empowering your your um, your managers and your and your staff is very similar to the way you're uh, handling the acquired companies as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <clears throat> definitely is, and it actually goes all the way through um, our private equity partner. So we joined. Um, we've been involved with two private equity partners and a few private debt partners. Um, and, you know, throughout the interview process of, of joining up with these guys, that, that's, that was key for us. Mm. And we found the perfect fit in a, a company called Oakley Capital um, based out of London. Um, very light touch. Um, we, we like to say, you know, the, the people we hire when we, or the companies we buy, it's important for us that the, CEO or the managing director is the type of guy that you want to go out and have a beer with. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's worked. I mean, honestly, that's, it's, it's worked. And the, and the one or two companies that maybe you wouldn't want to have a beer with that guy, um, have been the ones that, eh, maybe we should have passed, but, uh, they, we, we turn them around pretty quick. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. It, you, um, you touched on, you're touching on a lot. So I want to capture some of this gold that you're, you're sharing with us here. <laughs> Uh, you, I believe you just steer, steered us kind of towards compliance and, and inspection. And I think the audience, or I know I'd like to know more about, um, you know, what, what type of inspection you're doing and how do you keep pace with the growth? Is it, is it kind of a dual question there? Because I think the last time we spoke, you said your, your business was, was literally booming. So I'm wondering how do you maintain consistency and you know, could you speak to maybe those topics a little bit? Eric. Yeah. With, with Hanson, um, my problem is I don't say no, uh, <laughs> ever. And, and my, my other managers, um, kind of give me a hard time about that. But, um, you know, we, we want to be in the forefront. We want to be the first, um, person that 
GE, Pratt & Whitney calls to test their engine components. So um, we've grown. Um, you know, before we were fully Hanson-owned, or when we were fully Hanson Diorio-owned business, we would basically, you don't take a paycheck. If you have an opportunity to grow, you you, you put it back in the, in the company mm. and for a better day, and that worked. And now we have the, the tools to, you know, get our hands on a lot more capital so we're more valuable to our bigger players. And that's helped us expand our, our growth um, incredibly. The hardest part since COVID has honestly been hiring um, good people. Um, but I see a huge turn in the market in the past six months where, for instance, a year before that, we hired three or four people and it was like pulling teeth to get those people. And now we've hired seven people since January 1st oh, wow. of this year, which we're training. So we've actively grown the company, almost double the manpower um, since, um, since COVID. So it's, it's, it's good. Good, good um, thing for your growth. Have you been able to attribute why there are more either better fit, more candidates, um, how you know honestly I, I i don't know there was this you know it's a global problem too because i talked to people from singapore to australia to everywhere and everyone had the same same story i think that the u.s seems to be bouncing back quicker with um talent and i think it's a lot of the incentives that were given out money that was given out basically also that aura of the lifestyle of not say a working for the man or punching the clock. Mm -hmm. That was this, everyone, you know, had an idea that maybe those times are over, but the bottom line is, you know, they're not, and we need manufacturing and we need hands on the floor and everyone can't just sit at home on a keyboard and, and get things done. So, um, that's the reality of the world that we live in. And I think that the reality check came back to people and now they're saying, wait a minute, um, you know, I, I've got to get back, get back on the floor and, and do something. And that's helped. Good. That's fantastic. That's, it's obviously good for the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned inspecting parts, everything from cranes to, you know, um, uh, mortgage documents. And, you know, when you, when you mentioned the large aerospace manufacturers, what, what types, are there any themes you see in terms of um, inspection or is there any more to discuss there? Yeah, in the in the UK, our um, our our built environment division um, is really um, very busy, very active. There was a there was a fire back in oh I don't know probably a decade ago called the Grenfell Building, which was a um, highly occupied uh, occupied apartment complex in London, which caught fire and you can see videos of it online. It's incredible. But the building went in flames, was engulfed in minutes. And a lot of people lost their lives, um, unfortunately, but it brought attention to the deficiencies in some of the building codes that they have had over there. And when you go overseas, it's, you know, we think things are old here. Um, you know, you see a building that's, you know, 1800 or 1900, that's pretty, that's new, <laughs> you know, when you're driving around England. <laughs> um, so anyway, in the, in the cities, they've really, um, increased the focus on building safety, 
codes, um, you know, construction materials, all sorts of anything you can think of in that in that built environment is is being tested very thoroughly. Um, and that's a huge opportunity. It has been a huge opportunity for us. N- new regulations come on board all the time where not just new construction, but now old construction needs to be tested, brought up to speed. So we're doing, say we're doing the testing on a, on a building and then it doesn't uh, fall into code, then they need to bring machinery in to fix that. Well, we test, we have a company that actually tests the machinery as well to make sure mm-hmm. that, again, your crane, your cables, everything's, you know, ready to go. Um, and that's all certified. We also, um, we do a lot of work. We have a company in S- Singapore um, who's got hands in Malaysia, India, Indonesia, and they're doing a lot of work on on ships, um, basically um, oil tankers, cargo um ships that come into port and they'll deploy teams on these ships and they test everything from you know the fire extinguisher to the hull thickness to anything you can imagine um on a ship because you know they're on a regular schedule to be inspected and they need those certifications so and i don't know if you've ever been to singapore but i i was in awe sitting high up at a at a hotel looking into singapore harbor how many ships were in the harbor it is it's like it's a sight to be seen it's amazing i haven't been i can only imagine how often do you have to go there like you... uh i've been there twice in the past two years and i'm actually before this meeting i was just booking a trip to go back over there um we're we're looking at another opportunity over there and i can catch up with my guys that are over there now so um it's been pretty much an annual annual trip um, that's a good haul. <laughs> I'm sure it sure is. Yeah, I, it's a good haul. Are you allowed a, a little time for for fun? Can you can you tour around at all, or is it all business? Yeah, no. We we um, myself and our CEO Paul Barry took a trip a couple of years ago. We went. We did. Um, well, I did London. Met him in London. He's from Nottingham, and then um, we did Singapore and australia as well in that trip because we've got now we've got eight companies or nine companies we just we just purchased our ninth in australia at the time we only had one um that was just about that was within two years we bought eight other companies over there that's a that's a great story there so we but we were able to you know meet with our guys do our business and you know have have fun even you know with the guys that we were buying their businesses or, or joining up with them you know so it's uh, always leave a little bit of time for yourself of course of course <laughs> <laughs> would you I, this i'm more curious about this like when you say ships are we talking naval fleet are we talking cruise ships for pleasure cargo ships or uh, what type yeah mostly like the stuff that you'd see going out of boston harbor like an lng tanker oil tankers right all these things everything has to be checked all their valves all their piping um boilers um you name it there's a whole list of certifications so though singapore has this great several different ports right across the street from where our company is there and you know, they'll, we've walked through these ports. It's just amazing. You know, they'll, they'll back these things in. I don't know how long the full inspection on the boat takes, but it's it's a pretty substantial time uh, measured in, in 
weeks, not hours. Um, and then next one's in, you know, so it's, it's there's always work. Amazing. They're doing also offshore work too. So imagine a um, offshore drilling rig, right? It's just a, a big collection of piping, right? They're like the platforms, right? The platforms, yep. right? So you need to test all those pipes, right? You need to test um, underwater, so we have underwater um, inspections done. We need wow. to test, you know, rope access from the top of the rig. Um, we do rope access from windmills, you know, in the middle of the ocean, things like that. You know, crazy, crazy stuff. I don't know how awesome. these guys get up in the morning and put on the put on the jumpsuit and and, and strap themselves to something, you know, that high. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it, but there's plenty of these guys that, that do it. Um, and do it well. So it's incredible. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, everything you're sharing, I, I, I'm, I have a question about like, what would you share with other professionals or what advice would you give to, you know, other professionals in this, in your industry and in other industry? Cause you've got such a vast amount of experience, Eric. Um, I know it's a bit of a broad question. Yeah, that's a broad s stroke, but you know, it, it's, it's surround yourself with the right people. Um, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, our success at Hanson has always been through, you know, we were lucky we had a, they call a level three ultrasonic inspector, um, gentleman named Steve Patchka, who worked with us for, for years, recently retired, but his knowledge and connections in the industry really helped us, you know, grow this, um, and his integrity, you know, so having somebody like that, Steve's the first person that comes to mind, but just with all these companies, like I said, we buy good companies and we want to know that the management team is there. They're committed to stay. We don't buy, you know, typically we will not buy a hundred percent of a company because we want people to have a vested interest in the growth and the, and the um, future of the company. Um, but, but, you know, don't, don't try to, you know, overthink things, just, mm -hmm. Put the right people around you, um, and and good things will happen. Awesome, I, I I know. Thank you, Eric. I know one team that never gets a break in your uh, in your business, and that's certainly your M and A division. At least, at yeah. least that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and when we, you know, like I said, we started just before COVID, and our CFO, um, CEO, and myself were kind of walking, knocking on doors, trying to raise some some funds to get this portfolio off the ground back in 2018 and when we finally finally did um you know these people who really you know went out on a limb to help us were like oh boy now what have we, what have we done it's COVID, right. you know so <laughs> but our our portfolio we went from you know a few companies handful two three five companies to 28 companies throughout the COVID pandemic. And we maintained an EBITDA margin of about 28%, which is basically twice what your normal high-end EBITDA margin would be, period, on in an, an industry, you know, at normal times. So we, in my opinion, knocked it out of the park. But out of those 28 companies, there was one company in the U.S. being mine, Hanson Aerospace, and then the other ones were basically all in the UK because because of travel. We couldn't get out and and do the M and A. And at the time, it was just 
our CFO and CEO heading out, you know, meeting companies, um, shaking hands, signing deals. And now we have a full M&A team, not only over there, but we recently brought in a very strong M&A person in the um, Americas and recently signed a big deal in Latin America. Wow. And we've got a few that we're looking at now, and we've purchased uh, TDF Metal Finishing, which is right around the corner, right up the road from from here where we're working hand-in-hand uh, -hand with. Outstanding. Wow. You're, you're going to be, you're already well-traveled. You're going to be very well-traveled. Yeah, well -traveled. It's, it's, it's getting crazy uh, for sure. So, um, Eric, you mentioned um, a couple of large aerospace manufacturing companies. And what comes to mind for me is, uh, I know we've discussed this in the past, but we kind of touched on it, but compliance and like what, what, what types of, I think, I think, you know, in the facilities world, there's always some level of um, oversight, regulation, inspection, um, and audits. So what are, you, what are you and your businesses faced with? What, what could you share with, with, with the audience around that? Well, for, for auditing, I mean, for our inspection audits, there's a, there's a global um, consortium called NADCAP, um, which is NADCAP is the aerospace license to drive. Um, if you have that, that's basically the first accreditation you need to do work on uh, any aerospace product. Um, <clears throat> beyond that, we have obviously the Primes, the GEs, the Pratt & Whitney's, Rolls-Royce, Honeywell's. They'll come in and do their own audits regularly. We also have, you know, first-tier companies, second-tier that, that do on-site audits. So we have constant on-site auditing going on at not only Hanson Aerospace, but Hanson Engineering as well, who are audited to all sorts of machining standards, mostly from GE and ISO. Um, you know, you have that. Um, other, you know, compliance, or not, not necessarily compliance, but as a from the facility side is, you know, uh, FOD, freedom of defect, um, anything on the floor. Um, you know, you've been in, I know, Jay, you've been in the Pratt & Whitney mm -hmm. buildings and you can go in there and you can eat off the floor of these massive, you know, production facilities. There's one that I go down in Columbus, Georgia all the time. There are forging, they have five forging presses inside the building and it's immaculate. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Um, so when, when they send their product up here to be inspected and they come up to see it, they expect the same um you know, they expect their, it's like putting a child in daycare, you know, right. they, they don't want to walk into to a dump. They want to walk into a place that looks good and looks like it's safe and, and clean and all that. So that's, you know, outside of the compliance world, but it's, it's something that helps in a big way. And, I, and you, when you, your, you and your team came in, I'll give you um, some kudos here to Hanson Engineering, which you know, you saw 50 to 60 years of grease and grime on the floor and the walls from the older older machines that we were grinding and, the, and using oil as, as coolant. Um, you know, the difference from what it looked like before and what it looks like now is night and day. And, and the GE people, you know, really took that to heart and said, wow, uh, this place looks fantastic. And it's all lit up and bright and <clears throat> the guys like it. It's just so much more productive to be in that environment than it was before. 
That's good to hear. Thank you. We appreciated the opportunity for that too. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting when you mentioned, you know, the, the companies you listed from Rolls to, to GE to Pratt, um, is it the physical structure or other, other, um, I'm trying to think of questions that come to me all the time about inspection prep. How do you stay ahead of it? Like are there any best practices? I know we've talked about that in another regard, but how do you and your team stay ahead of it when they're always coming in? Or are you always ready? Yeah, it, you, you can't, you can't work. Um, you can't cram for a test. Let's put it that mm. way. Right. Mm -hmm. You need to, you have to be the, be the good student. You have to go home and you have to do your homework every night. Um, our guys have to keep things, you know, the way they need to be every day. We have to log our inspections every day. Our calibrations have to be logged every day. Um, anything on the floor, any gauges need to be kept up with. You, if you try to, if you let it slip one bit, you're going to get, they'll pick it up. You know, the auditors that come in have all worked in the industry. They know what to look for. They know they can tell when, you know, a company, you know, hasn't, you know, been up to snuff. We, we've never failed any audit. Um, we, we just, it's an, that's not an option. Congratulations. You don't want to be, we don't live on pins and needles here, right? We, yep. we come in and expect our closing meetings to be, congratulations, guys. Again, you're doing a good job. Um, here's a couple of recommendations, but keep it up. Now we're trying to push that mentality up the road to TDF, who, you know, didn't, we tried to get them into the NADCAP world so we could send our customers plating jobs up there. That was their main bread and butter. Um, they didn't want to do that because they didn't want to have to deal with the extensive audits and running a business where you had to be, you know, towing the line constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, it was that, you know, they had a good business, they ran it, they ran it their way. And that was the way it was going to be. Um, when they decided to sell, we took the opportunity to pick it up. Um, we've spent two years getting the NADCAP approval up there. There was a lot of work to do to get them prepped for it. Um, we did receive that a couple months ago, Congratulations! And, which was huge. Um, and it's, it's great for our customers because now we can, take product that they would ship to us for an inspection here. And then we'd wrap it up, drop ship it somewhere else. Then they have to deal with another production manager and the shipping costs and all that potential damage and handling and whatever. Now we can one-stop shop it here and we can bring it, you know, right up there. And we're also putting in a chemical etch line up there, which is going to be able to have our aerospace companies, especially our jet engine disc manufacturers, be able to one-stop shop here and they can literally stamp out a forging, send it to us. We can machine it at Hanson Engineering, walk it across or down the hallway to Hanson Aerospace, test it with ultrasound or magnetic particle or fluorescent penetrant. We can check the grain size in our um, our lab here as well to tell them the structure is okay. Then we could bring the part over to TDF, take it to the final process, which which would be chemical etch, and then possibly another FPI, um, and then ship it wherever they need the part. So they're not dealing with, you know, they're trucking the part here and that's it. They don't have to deal with 19 different vendors, losing parts, which we've, we've seen, um, you know. What a win for your clients 
Yeah, really? it, it is. And, and everything in aerospace is, is, you know, it's, it's time. It's like the automotive, you know, you just, things, you can't have delays, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it's critical, but they, if we can cut off, you know, a week of cycle time on their product, it's, it's just huge. You know, you mentioned, Eric, don't overthink things. I think we were talking about M&A when, when you first mentioned that in our discussion earlier. And, and that's kind of what I'm hearing in terms of like inspection prep and, and, and workflow. And just I'm, I'm hearing it's, it's your culture, right? It, yeah. It's constant readiness and it's process. And, it, you know, it just seems you, you, if you're always ready, that's just part of your culture is really the biggest thing I'm hearing from you. Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, we tout ourselves as the best in the business. Um, most, uh, I, 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 the primes, I believe, do as well. Um, the GEs and the, and the, and the Pratt & Whitney's. Um, what I've really enjoyed seeing is the, through our, the FENA portfolio, um, the same type of companies that we're buying. For instance, I oversee a company that is in just outside of Bath um, in the UK, um, and they do weld weld inspection. Um, they're doing a lot of work with uh, a couple. Well, there's a, Hinkley Point is a nuclear power project that they're putting on over there now. It's a huge undertaking, um, and these guys are, you know, working in and out with that project. But they've become the largest weld inspection company in the UK at this point, you know, the reputation is number one in the industry and it's just a gem to be able to, to, to deal with these people. Same with my, uh, the Singapore company that a star testing is the name of the company in Singapore. They're just top notch. Um, and it's just, it's, it goes throughout the, you know, not just in my division, but all the FENA divisions, um, just phenomenal leadership, phenomenal history and, 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 work ethic and integrity. Very impressive. Very. And, and to have it on a global scale is, is even more impressive. Of course, yeah. it's I think what you just taught all of us about the, the inspection process is probably a lot of things none of us have ever heard before. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just really, oh, it's good. well, you know, Eric, we've been learning, uh, you know, from you. So I'd like to say, um, most of us would like to know a little bit more about you too. So <laughs> if I could, um, you know, let's have some fun and run the Wayback Machine and say, okay, did the five-year-old Eric look in the mirror and say to himself, you know, I'm going to be the CEO of an aerospace worldwide company someday. You know, what, is that what you said to yourself? <laughs> no. The five-year-old Eric was was trying not to get in trouble with his dad who was running a a small machining company in, in Danvers, uh, you know, at the time, or in Lynn at the time. Um, but I was always eager to get into, you know, working in, in our building with, you know, under my dad. Um, and then, so, uh, so early high school days, I would come in here, I'd work in the summers. And then I realized this is hell, um, you know, <laughs> come home covered in grease because I thought I was going to come in and push some papers around, but no. You know, it's here's a broom, here's a rag, go clean the, you know, two inches of grease off that machine, which is the size of a house. Um, and, and by the way, be in my car at by 5, 10 a.m. 
or else. Sure. And I, when you're in high school. So when I'm in high right. school, yeah. I mean, the, the, the worst, you know, and even before high school. So my father would wake me up by hitting my foot at the end of the bed. He'd take a shower and then he'd get dressed and go to the car. Well, I'd, you know, limp on down, jump in the shower, put my clothes on. If it wasn't 5.15, he would leave. And I'd be there. What am I going to do? Uh, and I'd call my grandmother. She lived down the street. She was always up. So she'd take me in. And and he'd yell at me because I was late for work. <laughs> I didn't have it three years before I got a license. And then eventually my grandmother came in and reminded him whose name was on the side of the building because he married my mother, who's the Hanson. <laughs> um, and so that was pretty funny. But anyway, so I worked here for, for a while, summers and whatnot. And then I wanted to, well, I went to college and then when I got out of college, I wanted to go into finance. So I was like, oh, this is great. I don't smell like machine grease when I get home. I've got market hours I'm dealing with. It's so much better. You know, working with my friends, I had a lot of friends uh, that, that we worked together in downtown Boston. So enjoying the scene down there, enjoying the life. It was great. And then the markets kind of turned and I was going to move down to New York and test my, my luck down there. And my father came back to me and said, ah, we could really use your help. We're growing. And I don't know why, but I said, okay. And I came back in 2006, beginning of 2006 to, to learn these companies from a managerial side. Um, and was it mostly taught to you by your father? Is that where you yeah, my father, my uncle, yeah. mostly, um, my father ran the machine shop. Uh, what happened was we had to spin off Hanson aerospace because we couldn't test the product that we were actually manufacturing. So we made two companies and my father and, and uncle ran them. So my, my uncle who recently retired in November, um, you know, had his hands in the testing side of things mostly. But so in 2011, I was CEO of both companies um, for 10 years. And then I had to, once we got into the private equity situation, I had to let go of the, my uh, CEO part of Hanson Engineering, but I'm the chairman of the board now. So Outstanding. Thank you for walking us through that, by the way. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> me. That's me in a nutshell. So <laughs> That's awesome. Work hard, play hard type of stuff. You know? It's fantastic, man. <laughs> and in the free time, you know, as you say, if I can get out on the boat, that's the best place. Um, you know, I've tried to play golf now for, you know, decades. I, I'm, I'm still a, a golfer, but I just never seem to get any better. Um, <laughs> as long as you're enjoying it. You know what? I should say that about fishing, too, because I don't seem to get any better anyway. Um, <laughs> you and I both. But I was thinking about it before the call, Jay, and I think I'm going to have to change my strategy because i couldn't seem i can catch fish but i can't catch bait right. Just, at least last year i couldn't so i i need a, a plan b for when the, the mackerel aren't aren't running out there what i'm going to do you know so <laughs> any tips i'm, I'm I, i'll let you know i'm struggling with the same thing though so you know it's uh yeah and once we find the bait it's so crowded with boats not sure what to yeah. do getting yelled at because we're almost running into people so, oh yeah you know it's a, it's a crowded thing out there <laughs> I love it when I'm flying, but I, a lot of times I just run down and jump on by myself. So no one's even watching. So I'll get five or six, you know, bait fish on the line. And like you said, you're about to slam into a bunch of guys that look like they just got home from 10 years at sea. And that's not a good, <laughs> that's not a good place to be. 
Oh, that's awesome. Eric, I can't thank you enough, man. Like this has been, this has been a really it's an awesome walkthrough of you and, and your company and your journey and your growth. It's awesome. Um, I'm guessing people might want to know how they can get in touch with you or where could they find you if, uh, if they wanted to contact you for any reason at all. Yeah. LinkedIn is probably the best, Perfect. the best way. Perfect. So. All right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, thank you again. Uh, and thank, thank the audience for, for listening along with us. Um, if you learned something or laughed, you know, feel free to share it with somebody else. And Eric, we'll, we'll talk soon, my friend. Yeah. Jay, thanks a lot for having me. It's been great. And, and, and good luck going forward. I'm certainly going to need you on a few pro upcoming projects. So I'll be in touch. Thanks so much, Eric. All right. Take I care, man. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Take care. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Another episode of Facility Rockstars is in the books. Facility Rockstars is sponsored by Kalutas, operating the way you operate in order to make your life easier. Until next time, facilitate and rock on. Rock on. Rock on.